Welcome to the Speaking of Phenomenal podcast. I'm your host, Amy Boyle, internationally published photographer and entrepreneur. For the last two years, I've shined a light on weekly stories through the 52 Phenomenal Women Project, a social platform and community celebrating women for what makes them phenomenal right now. Spoiler alert, we don't raise our hands often enough to celebrate our unique qualities that make us all who we are. Yes, you guessed it, phenomenal. What I know for sure is sharing of our empowering stories must continue, and that is why I created the Speaking of Phenomenal podcast. Sharing the mic weekly with phenomenal women all over the world while we embrace what right now makes each of us phenomenal and therefore uplifting each other when we need it the most. Thank you for joining our community. I am so glad you're here. Speaking of phenomenal, you know who is? You are. Welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being one of our first guests of Speaking of Phenomenal podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. I am thrilled, number one, that you're doing this. And number two, thank you so much for having me. Oh, absolutely. And we'll give a little backstory, but you know, we both had the opportunity to meet online because we haven't even met in person yet, even though I right. feel like I've known you for quite a while. Yes. Um, through being brand ambassadors for Oh, the Oprah magazine. And what a lovely introduction that has been. I think yeah. your positivity and support that you bring our own group is something that I was naturally attracted to. So I was really excited when you had me as a guest on your show and how we've had a dialogue online and offline. And it's just, it's, it's great. So thank you. Well, thank you. And I, I absolutely agree. Um, it is tough times for so many people in the world. And when there are these rays of sunshine, and I feel like, again, your infectious optimism and your photography, and again, your perspective is a breath of fresh air and we need more of that. So I'm thrilled at the platform that you've developed and I'm so excited that you've put it into a podcast. And yes, of course, Oprah Magazine is one of those beacons of light and hope in the world um, that we need so much right now. So it's been an honor. Oh, excellent. Well, why don't you give a little background for our listeners? Um, you do and are a lot of things as are all of us, but I would love to hear it from your perspective as to what's, what's going on in your world and what's yeah. your passion. Well, thank you so much. So just a little bit about my background is that I'm a registered nurse by trade and I've worked most of my nursing career with those at the end of life. And I have to share with people, and I do all of the time, that working in the end-of-life space has taught me everything about how to live. And people are like, what do you mean? And I share with them the wisdom, the um, just the pearls and the universal laws, the way that we are so much more similar on a global level. Um, and so it's developed again into an end-of-life doula training that a lot of people may have heard of the death doula movement and death positive movement. Um, and so I just want to start off by making it very clear that when we're talking about end of life or death, we're talking about life. They're not exclusive of one another. So this is going to be a very optimistic and positive um, conversation. And what I'm going to share about the platforms um, that I've built and that I've worked in. And the one that I think we're specifically going to share today is the death doula global summit that is starting on November 16th through 22nd, that has 24 incredible leaders from around the globe in this space. It has been such a journey and an honor to put together, and it's a free offering. So I'd like to share that with everyone as well. Wonderful. Now, when people sign up for that summit, are they all in healthcare? Are they nurses in general? 
how do people find it? And how do you know that that's something that is your calling? I guess, okay. or what was yours? So I think, I think that one of the things we have to really bring home to this, this talk is that we have to meet this moment and, or how do we meet this moment, right? If we before thought that death was not going to happen to me or to our family, because we're living in a very death phobic society globally. And I understand, you know, why that ha happened. Um, we all are aware that, that it will touch all of us now. And here's the thing, for those of us who have been on the inside working with people, remember what I said at the start of the podcast is that it taught me everything about life. So for me to want to share this, what I call this inside look into something that is so very feared when, it, when a time that our world is being touched by a global pandemic and death on a level that we've never faced before in the fear is, again, something that I think unites us and brings us back to the awareness that as humanity, as human beings, we are all going to have end of life and we're all going to have life. And how do we make that the best? So to answer your question, the summit is full of a diverse group of different people. For instance, we have three hospice directors. We have two doctors. We have a few nurses. We have educators. We have doulas. We have um, Ken Ross, who is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's son, who she is one of my greatest mentors um, that I have followed her work. We have um, incredible, incredible people that have, again, used their energy, their resources, and their voice for years, some of them for 30 years, to make a difference in their communities, in their countries, in a positive space. So it is so incredible to hear from them and then also to hear the, from the diverse backgrounds, the common theme. And what is the common theme? That kindness and presence and that we're in this together is the only way that we'll get through this is bringing back that awareness. Oh, absolutely. This is something you've been doing now for how many years? Okay. So I've been in this for about 20 years. Um, working with elders and end of life. And then I, again, I mainstream medical was a hospice nurse and an oncology nurse, a cancer nurse as well. And in those spaces was able to see the gaps um, that we have and the obstacles that we have in the mainstream medical system, not just in the United States, but in many different countries. Why? Because our elderly, we've never seen an aging population like the one we have now. We've also seen Western medicine infiltrate, for lack of a better word, many different countries and areas. And here's the thing is that, and I ask this in, in many of my talks, is death a medical experience? And people, you know, they, it makes them stop and think for a minute because, well, yeah, but wait, but honestly, no, it's a human experience. And yes, we use medical support, but we forgot that end of life is a very natural process. It's a holistic process and it can go very well with the right education and kindness and support. So pulling back from the gaps in the mainstream medical system, which again, we're, we're struggling to meet the needs of patients in general and being able to create a non-medical professional support that is an adjunct to the medical was absolutely everything. And that's where you see this movement that is global now in the end of life doula because everyone gets it and everyone sees how incredibly powerful it is. Oh, absolutely. And personally, 
I think back, um, it's been almost 27 years since I lost my grandfather. But one of the things that I was lucky enough to participate in was when he left. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've had four children and that was magical, but there was nothing like being a part of making sure he was comfortable at ease. And to share that moment was one of these things that out of all the things I've experienced in my life, I think about that often. And with like hope, you know, even though it was an end of something, it was so much hope and so much peace and so much love. Um, So for people like yourself to be out there training other people so that we understand it, we shouldn't fear, you know, Yes, there's a lot of things we don't know, and and I keep saying, and what we don't know is okay because it it helps us look for more answers sure. or at least peace um, yes. in different ways. So I applaud you for your work because I know personally some friends that have gone through um, cancer and illness and then eventual loss and hospice and all that, and I know f- wholeheartedly that her death doula for her husband was one of the best things that she ever experienced for both of them as they went through this. Um, Absolutely. And I think people have to remember that we get only one opportunity to have this go well. We can't go back and do that same end of life again. So it, it for me, it was get every resource and, and bit of energy that I have to make a difference because people are suffering and they have one chance to do this. And again, it's not just for the patient, it's for the patient and the loved ones. It's for everyone in that. And I just want to highlight, and I'm so glad that you shared that about your grandfather and how beautiful that is. Um, And I really think, because I've done a lot of studying on this, that it's that energy space. You know, death used to be revered as one of the sacred passages of life. And when you are privileged to be in that place of caring for someone you love. There is a connected energy that's literally spiritual. It's a very high vibration. And I feel like, again, you'll never live your life the same way after having that experience. And yet it's one of the greatest resources we have on how to live. And yet for most people, that resource we've removed. So we've removed our elderly, we've removed our end of life, right? And we've medicalized it. And I feel like we're missing out as a world on the, one of the greatest teachers about how to live. And that's contributing to the chaos that we see on our planet. Well, and with that chaos, like right now, what are your thoughts on the separation of everybody as they're going through different things, especially with COVID, you know, um, and how I think daily about our overtaxed healthcare workers that are the ones that are won't let go of the hands that stay with them. So they're not alone when no one else can. How are you coping with that? Where are you finding your self care in this situation as it affects you emotionally? Yeah. Um, What can we talk about or what suggestions can we make to make this a better situation? Right. mm -hmm. So I thank you for bringing that up because I think people, it's so important to to be in this moment again, how can we each individually show up? And for healthcare practitioners, you know, even before, and I feel like I had an advantage a little bit going into this because I've worked in crisis for years. And so this end of life would show up um, even with people in their 90s and become this fight or flight crisis situation. And now we're just seeing that on this like mass level. So how as healthcare professionals do you take care of yourself? Um, you have got to, and I think all of us have got to get to a point where 
we have to understand that we're in control of how we care for ourselves. No one else can do that for us. And I think, again, COVID is teaching us that there's no magic cure and pill and a lot of, um, you know, and I often, from a nurse standpoint, just kind of look at it and say, okay, viruses and why are some people getting so very sick and dying and some people are just carriers? What are the variables there? And a lot of it has to do with, again, your immunity and different things, but self-care and balance um, in a time that is so incredibly stressful right now is important. Okay, so our healthcare workers. And, and I don't want to get political here, but I think this is so important to just put on the table is that our healthcare workers begged us and are begging us to wear masks, to spread down the rapid infection rate, to, to let them have a moment where they're not overflowing with people because that's what's happening. So the fact that it's even still a question, I don't even care. Let's just even, you know, first of all, follow the science. It does work. We know that. But even if you said, well, I don't believe that it works, your medical professionals are begging you. They're out there night and day working themselves to death. In one of when I hear from them in the inside, one of the most traumatizing experiences of their life, and they're giving absolutely everything. Um, they don't have time to do self-care right now. We have a moment to say, what can I do for you? First of all, obviously sending them as much love and whatever other support you can do. But if they're asking us to wear a mask, to slow this down, to give them a moment, um, I think we have to pay attention to that, to take, to take that very seriously. I think the other thing we have to understand is the medical system is not equipped to fix things all the time, right? And um, that we have a whole bunch that we can do as far as taking a seat back in this moment and saying, we need to look at all of this. Uh, and for me, again, working in end of life, we've taught our doctors over the last 100 years, 80 years to fix it, to we know how to extend life. We have not taught them how to support people at the end of life holistically, their families with these tools. We've actually taught them that if a life ends, they've failed. Now I've worked in this space for a long time. That's 100% failure. That's completely unfair to everyone. So I think this is our moment to say, let's sit back and let's look at this from a bigger, bigger view. Um, we're all in this together. We're all human beings. I think COVID has taught us that nobody is exempt. Doesn't matter how much money you have, what color you are, what religion you are. Um, we're all in this together. And that the medical system is not the answer. It's not the total answer and they're doing the best they can. So what can we do? Well, first of all, no one needs to be elected or pass a law for us to be kind to one another or to have presence with one another. And nobody has to pass a law for me to say, gosh, if I feel stressed, I'm gonna go and take a walk outside and meditate and see what I can do for me. Um, There's so many different things that make a huge difference in this journey that we're in control of. And I think that awareness is starting to come back. And so very important. I mean, yeah. to your point about the when people pass, that that is a failure. Come I, again yeah. to our one of our connection points is my father was a physician for forty one years. My mom was a nurse yeah. for almost thirty something years as well. And I remember very vividly watching his whole demeanor change depending on what was going on with his patients. Right? It was such a personal thing. Yes. 
And he always would want to be there for anybody. Like you said, it's a hundred percent. We know what the outcome is. You, you're lucky enough 100%. to be born, but you, you, it's gonna, it's gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. And, and again, you know, the, the mental health side of it, mm-hmm. um, you're not a failure, you know, especially if you gave everybody the quality and the love and all these things that, that you could do with what you had. I yes. mean, um, so I, again, I just applaud you for taking this on because I know it's just something that I think gets missed because it's, here's the textbook. Here's the things. These are the things we fix. You're, we're not mechanics. This it doesn't, is, it this doesn't is, work that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like, Oh, I just got my tires rotated. No, this is a little bit bigger than that. So, yeah. Yeah. um, and it's so important for everybody involved, whether it's the doctors, the nurses, the orderlies, every, you know, everyone from the front desk to the mm-hmm. whole shebang to yeah. it, like, it's free to be kind. It's free to listen. Yes. And, yes. and it's so good when we do, and maybe we should just stop and just share mm-hmm. that so that we're also receiving. Right. Yes. And also, I mean, how beautiful. So at the end of life, there is no greater truth than what happens at the end of life what people will share with you, what that feeling is like. I mean, it takes the rule book and throws it completely out because everything we've been taught about separation and this is important and all that is gone. And when you hear from end of life, people at the end of life, what's important and they talk about how they spent their time and what what the meaning was and talk about this unconditional loving energy that we're all connected to. I mean, and this is through different, because I've had the privilege of working with different cultures and religions and different places in the world. There was a common theme that happened at end of life. And I was like, this is so incredibly powerful. So one of the things is if we can understand and, and step foot in this space, that we can bring down those fears that are illusions to this end of life. And I believe me, I understand that nobody wants to rush into this thing called end of life. However, I have to tell you that I have been privileged to be with some of the most incredibly beautiful end of life experiences. And I, if I said, if people saw that, if they knew end of life could be like that, they would never be afraid. And what can make that possible? Education, talking about it. It's a holistic experience. It's mind, body, spirit, and your presence the pure presence that we have with one another is the most powerful medicine we have at end of life. And I believe in life in general, and that's something we can all do. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's to demystify it, right? Because like yes. you said, it just becomes yes. this thing that we're afraid of and, <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll deal with it later. And you're like, well, but if you were aware of it every day, yeah. Then in in a good way, right? Whether it's a yeah. life cycle of a plant, you know, a, an insect, anything, but just like the beauty in what it what it was, what it gave, and what it still gives after. Yes. Like all uh, these things still. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, for the education because it's so uh, important. It is so important, and there's so and you're so welcome, and there's so um, many different again supportive pieces to the training for caregivers that we give for free all the time. Um, and for doulas that make a huge difference in the journey, it's so empowering. And again, we have infused the training with such beautiful bedside stories that people have walked away from these trainings saying that, wow, I was afraid before I am. I don't, you know, one of them said, I don't want to rush it, but she said, wow, this is, I'm like not afraid at all. 
Um, and this is important. And I do want to share what really, again, uh, an experience that I had that really brought this, I think, to the level that it's at. In 2012, I went to Zimbabwe, Africa and volunteered as a hospice nurse. And I've been working with hospice over in the United States. And I realized, you know, that, again, we have equipment, we have medicines, we have all these resources here in this country. And there are places that don't have a lot of these things. And again, I feel like it's all of our responsibility to show up where we can to uh, help out wherever we can, whatever that means for you to be called. Anyway, somebody had said, there's a wonderful organization, you know, you should um, get involved. And I did. And then I had the opportunity to go over and to work with them. And I have to tell you that this absolutely, again, changed my life because here I am working with some of the most incredible beings, um, going out, seeing hospice patients, um, where they, they didn't have an uh, overflow of resources. And there was, again, not even people with food, you know, on their table on a daily basis. And they taught me the power of the presence of being with. So as a hospice nurse, I'm in and out. So I go in, I assess sometimes for one hour, once a week. They were training people to stay with the person who was dying and their family like a guide. And without equipment or medicines, to the level, obviously, that we have or even have it. It was so effective. Just knowing holistically, and I thought, my goodness, here I come back to America, having been to a country and learned so much about this care. I mean, it's just incredible. So that's, again, what I built off of that power of the presence and having non-medical professionals be in the space and crediting that island hospice in Zimbabwe, Africa, for giving me a view of that insight um, that was life-changing. It's just incredible. I, I, oh, no. oh my goodness. There's no greater gift than There's giving no someone your presence. And There's no greater gift. There really isn't. And I think that people have to remember that no matter where you are in the world or how much money or what circumstances, we can do this with this type of, again, holistic training, but also awareness of presence. We can do it in any setting, anywhere, at any time. That's everything. Absolutely. One of my main things I was going to do with this podcast is kind of get to your why behind your what, but we've already spent a, a lot of your why right here just talking about like, what is it that, and your empowering is by teaching and bringing on more people to do and be able to care and to help people like live the good life, right? Well, and say goodbye when it's their time. So how did you know you were empowering others? Okay. So I think, again, you know, when I talk about this teaching me everything about life, this is really important because it's all beautifully intertwined. And I tell this story all of the time to my students because I want them to understand that you have a guidance system within you. Okay. You have a knowing. And again, I'm learning all, most of this from my beautiful end of life patients, but then of, of course what I've experienced, but I want to share this with people now. You have a knowing that is steering you on your path and purpose of the highest frequency and level in your life. It's how you choose to tune into that and make sure you're listening to it. And I tell the story about hospice and I say, you know, I was a young nurse and I kept getting called in my whatever knowing to go to hospice and there was absolutely no reason why I should do that. So I had no past end of life experience. Um, nothing would say why you should go. And in fact, I left a job that had, you know, some better hours and things to go to this 
you could call it unknown area of hospice. I kept feeling called to it. I finally got to um, become a hospice nurse. And the very first day that I went out on a um, visit to a hospice family, I knew that I was in the exact place that I was supposed to be in my life, like the alignment, the peace, the joy um, was something I'd never experienced on that level consistently before. And I, from that moment on, have never made a decision with any other way but making sure it was in alignment with my knowing. And that was my aha moment because, first of all, a lot of this work at the end of life, a lot, a lot of times you're working with people again at a certain point that are in a sleeping coma and not verbal. So how do you know what is needed there? And again, sometimes different people are having all different experiences. You have got to learn to hone into your, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What do you know? Um, that's how this works. And it has been incredibly powerful to not only be in that space with it, but to incorporate that into my life's journey and then to teach other people about that. Yes. I think that is, it's so incredible. You know, I think Oprah talks about all the time, listening to the whispers. Well, sometimes we have to wait till it's like beating on the door, but you know, thank goodness you did because look at how how you've helped yourself, but all the lives you've impacted. And Mm -hmm. Again, it goes back to what are our gifts, what do we have, and how are we sharing them? And you're doing all that. And that is just so incredibly valuable. What if COVID is our greatest teacher for us? I agree. Not not diminishing how hard this is to go through. And then the other thing I often say is that I think everyone in this time period in life is incredibly courageous to be here at this moment, because this is one of the most intense times to be extremely gentle with yourself, but also sit quietly and look, look at the higher meaning possibly here that we will come out on the other side better and more connected um, than ever before from what we're going through. I I agree. It's in all this quiet time and what for many is isolation, but in in that too, through technology and through just being a good neighbor, yeah. you know, being a good steward of our planet, we're learning yeah. a lot. And yeah. and there's so much to give and to receive in a time where maybe it seems like everything's been taken away. And it really hasn't if we stop and give it the pause that it needs for us to pay attention. Like, wake up, guess what? We have things to contribute. And yeah, you know, there are days that suck more than, you know, yeah. I've been saying that recently is like embrace the suck, but no, it's not permanent. Like yeah. none of this is as yeah. scary as it is. Um, so, you know, what can you do right now, this very moment? Right. What can you do today? And I think that just seeing each other, being compassionate with each other. I've got you. We're in this together. Um, give a smile, you know, whatever it is you can do in this moment. And just to remind each other that we don't need, again, a political party, a president, a law uh, to, to bring back the what I call universal foundational laws, which are meeting each other where we are with no judgment. We're all on our journey and we're all in this together. You know, kindness, presence that I see you. Um, These things will change the world. And there's something that we can all do at this very moment. And I think we're bringing that awareness again in the stillness that, wow, right. We got to bring that back. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll help be your microphone for that too, because it's very important. 
you yeah. are. Um, so the this, this summit is a compilation of, so one of the, another aha moment again is working again with different people around the world, having been so honored and privileged to be in this space um, and how we are so similar and how we have the same needs. And I remember last, a year ago in March, I was able to do 14 trainings in Thailand, all around Thailand with community and, and uh, hospitals and Buddhist monks. And the, oh my gosh, the amount of love and, and oneness with no labels and all coming together is the awareness that we, again, need to bring back of how similar we are. So the summit talks about that, talks about love and empowering different platforms that people can get resources from. And one of them being, and I just want to share this, is that we offer free family caregiver training all the time. So a level one, we want to give back the skills of, to family members, community members on how to care for somebody at end of life if they are going to be called to do it, which we all usually are. And recently, one of my doulas was working with a man who's 82 years old and was sharing with him what she was learning from the training. And one of the things that's so interesting is that people sometimes at the end of life will wait for you to actually leave the room for them to have their final passing. They don't want that to be the last thing that you see. Um, they know it's too hard. So it's really, it's phenomenal. She said, this man started crying, just tears rolling down. And she said, what's happening? And he said, I have been holding on for 30 years. My mother, I left her room for 10 minutes at the end of life. And when I came back, she had passed. And I have held that grief and that oh. shame and guilt and you have just given me the greatest gift to be freed from this. And it was like, Amy, I don't need to do anything else in my life. It's those moments that I say all of the work, everything is worth it. And so this is something that I hear over and over again when people take the training. They, they are freed up because they didn't have this information. Let's do this together. This is a free offering. We're in this together. We're supporting one another. And it can enrich our journey more than anything that I know about how to live today as well. I agree. And I, I'm so grateful it exists and that your heart is leading this charge. Um, yeah. But for more of us to be aware, I, I think back to all the what to expect when you're expecting books, right? It, this, Same thing. Like you said, it's beautiful. It's yeah. all a part yeah. of the process. And there's a whole lot of unknown in all that too. That's why I called oh. it. That's why I called it doula yeah. back in the day because there were so many similarities to bringing a, a life in to leaving because of the pregnancy and the active labor, you know, active dying, and then the you know the birth of the baby and the departing of the soul. But we don't do anything on the other end, but we do everything for this. And it, you can't just leave this up to guesswork. You know, yeah. when you put things in place, Amy. 80 to 90% of an end of life can go better when people have planned ahead, again, with the awareness that one day the journey will be at its end the way that we know it, and have some basic knowledge about what that looks like. 80 to 90%, no matter what disease process I've seen, the better end of life, that to me is worth getting out and sharing all over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll make sure that all of the links for the training are in the show notes. How can people find you? Because I have a feeling people are just going to fall in love with you as I have and will want to know more and want to see your positive self out there shining all your love and goodness in the world. So how can they find you? Thank you so much for that. Okay, so we have, again, the Death Doula Global Summit is coming up and that is on the Doula Givers Institute for Higher Learning.com. So Doula Givers Institute, FHL.com. 
We also have a three time a week life cafe that you can join in. It's for everyone for support. Come on, that is an incredible community that we started with the pandemic. There has been absolute magic that happens in that group. This is again, a, a website and a platform that's designed to help bring us together on a global level in that oneness to create the new world we wanna see happen. So doula givers for higher institute for higher And again, you'll have my information and just reach out and know that you are not alone. We are in this together and we're going to get through it together. Absolutely. I personally can't thank you enough for the kind of work that you do and for listening to your calling because it's helping so many. So I, again, my complete gratitude. Well, you know what? Right back to you. So, and thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for the opportunity to be sharing this on, on your podcast. Wonderful. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks everybody. Be sure to subscribe now as well as follow along at speaking of phenomenal on Instagram and 52 phenomenalwomen.com. That's the number 52 phenomenalwomen.com. See you soon.